There were two more murders 15 miles when away. When arrived, they found the telephone the weird described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. A couple murdered. One doesn't often suspect a couple of killing. We hear stories of husbands murdering wives or vice versa. But it's not often that entering into a relationship triggers a murderous side in both parties. On May 4th, 1970, one half of the Ken and Barbie killers was born. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Paul Bernardo was born on August 27, 1964, to a child molester for a father and a mother who retreated from her abusive husband by living alone in the basement. Despite this less-than-wonderful family life, Paul was often described as the perfect young man who had a sweet smile and was what all parents wanted in a child. But behind this killer smile was a boy who was developing a similar dark fantasy as his father. This man, who was a monster all on his own, met a woman named Carla Leanne Homoka, born May 4, 1970, in October of 1987, and together the pair would become the two sickest monsters in Canadian history. Carla, unlike some of Paul's past girlfriends, encouraged his sadistic sexual behavior and even tried to find victims to gift to her boyfriend. But before there were any murders, Paul committed a number of sexual assaults, 17 at minimum, between 1987 and 1990. These women, mostly young girls, were all between the ages of 15 and 22. And it wasn't until an attack on May 26, 1990, when the 19-year-old victim was able to vividly recall the face of her attacker, that anyone knew who the Scarborough rapist really was. Her description provided enough information for a sketch, and on May 28th, that sketch was released and published. Just two months later, police received their first set of tips containing the name Paul Bernardo. But let's not get ahead of ourselves just yet, because while tips were coming in stating that the sketch looked remarkably like the man named Paul Bernardo, he and Carla were about to escalate their little sexual games into murder. During the summer of 1990, Paul became attracted to Carla's younger sister, Tammy. That's when Carla came up with the perfect gift for her lover. Carla spiked her sister's dinner one night and, while unconscious, watched on as Paul raped the young girl. She awoke about a minute later. Frustrated, they decided to tweak their plan. While they were coming up with ideas for the perfect rape, on November 20th, 1990, Paul Bernardo was brought in for questioning in regards to the Scarborough rapist case. When asked during his voluntary 35-minute interview why he thought he was there, he admitted that he did bear a striking resemblance to the sketch. Police decided that Paul was much more believable than the family who called in the tip, took some DNA samples, and let him go. On December 23, 1990, six months before their impending nuptials, Carla spiked her 15-year-old sister's eggnog with some sleeping pills and, as she slipped into unconsciousness, placed a drug-soaked cloth over her nose and mouth. The drug, halothane, was stolen from her job at the local vet clinic. They then began to undress the girl, and Carla gifted her future husband with something she couldn't give him herself, her sister's virginity. They decided to videotape the evening, a fact that would prove extremely damning in the future. At some point in the horrible evening, Tammy began to vomit and choke on her own bile. The couple hid all of the evidence and called 911, 
dressing the girl and moving her to her bedroom. She was pronounced dead a few hours later, and Tammy's death was deemed an accident. In June of 1991, Paul was ready for a new victim, and on the 7th, Carla invited 15-year-old Jane Doe to their home for a girls' night out. This young girl was drugged and, once unconscious, Paul got a call from Carla stating that she had a wedding present for him. They videotaped the whole violent rape of Jane Doe, but unlike Tammy, she made it out of the home alive. She woke the next morning having no idea that she was sexually assaulted. On June 15, 1991, Paul was driving through Burlington when he came across 14-year-old Leslie Mahaffey, who was locked out of her home after missing curfew. She was driven back to their house where she became the couple's next victim. They, again, videotaped the abuse Leslie suffered and after realizing her blindfold had slipped and there was a chance she saw their faces, they fed her a lethal dose of drugs and, according to Carla, Paul strangled her to death. Her body was placed in the basement while the pair went to dinner with Carla's family. When they returned, they dismembered the girl and placed each piece in cement. One block was too heavy for them to move into Lake Gibson and was found 14 days later by a father and son. She was identified by the orthodontic appliance in her mouth. Shortly after, Jane Doe was invited back to the house, drugged and raped again. She stopped breathing shortly after, but was able to survive yet again. On April 16, 1992, they abducted 15-year-old Kristen French on her walk home from her Catholic school. When she did not arrive at her destination, Kristen's parents immediately called 911, and within 24 hours, the Niagara Regional Police Service assembled a team. Over Easter weekend, Paul and Carla inflicted their now-routine torture on the young girl. The next day, as they were about to leave for the Homolka's Easter dinner, Kristen French was murdered. Carla said that Paul strangled her, while Paul said that Carla beat her with a rubber mallet before strangling her with a noose. Her nude body was found on April 30th, 1992. It's worth mentioning that, between all of these attacks, Paul and Carla abducted a number of women who were able to escape with their lives. Many believe that they had other victims— some which already carried convictions of potentially innocent men. The pair were questioned a number of times in connection with the Scarborough Rapist, but it wasn't until the Green Ribbon Task Force was created to investigate the murders of Leslie and Kristen that the ball really got rolling. On December 27, 1992, Paul beat Carla with a flashlight, and once she returned to work, a very concerned co-worker called her parents who took her to the hospital. Once there, Carla gave a statement to the police that she was a battered spouse and filed charges against Paul. This was the beginning of the couple's demise. Soon thereafter, Paul's DNA sample that he gave 26 months before was connected to some of the Scarborough rapist cases. And Carla began to blab about their murders to family. She got a lawyer and both were placed under 24-hour surveillance. In an effort to ensure that he was charged with the murders, Carla Homoko was offered a plea deal. She would be given 12 years instead of the first-degree and second-degree murder charges she had the potential of receiving if brought to court. This deal would later be referred to as a deal with the devil. The couple was officially arrested in 1993. 
the trial, which was insane, and any information on the couple was legally banned from being in the news or in papers. Therefore, information on the couple's trial was difficult to find at the time. Canadians would cross the border into the U.S., which had no ban, to get all of their information, and newspapers were confiscated at the border. In the end, Paul was given a life sentence, but it was during his trial that it became clear to some that Carla, who claimed to be totally under Paul's control and influence, was just as much a willing participant in the crimes as he was. But these videos, in accordance to the plea bargain, did not affect her sentencing. She was, as of July 4th, 2005, free to walk the earth, get married, have children, and enjoy the remainder of her life as a free woman. This woman, who willingly brought young girls into the hands of her sadistic husband. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on May 5th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.